When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A subject that's so big, we had to do two parts to the episode. Last week on this show, Best Ball Theory, the Spike Week Thursday strategy show, we started to dig into the 2022 fantasy football landscape. There's all this talk constantly about strategies and player takes and all these different things, right, that factor into how we draft, but they all come from the fact that there is a specific drafting environment, player ADPs, tier breaks, player projections, all that kind of stuff is what builds onto what, what builds into these strategies and player takes that we have. We talked mostly about kind of the top end of drafts last week. We're going to dive into a a bunch more different strategic elements um, of the 2022 fantasy football environment, draft landscape, all of that today so let's uh, go ahead and get into it Good good afternoon, good morning, depends on where you are, what time zone you're in, I guess. Good afternoon to my fellow um, central time zone and to the losers on the East Coast. Good morning to my West Coast uh, uh, brethren. We're, at, we're, we're early streaming today. I won't waste your time with all of this, but... Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I am located in St. Louis. We talked about this yesterday. You can probably guess by the background. There's a fucking STL hat, a St. Louis Billikens hat, a goddamn Darius Miles jersey in the background, a, a St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup champion. Right. You can probably tell pretty quickly, even if I you don't hear me say it, um, that I'm from St. Louis. I live just outside of St. Louis. Uh, two days ago, we got 15 inches of rain in uh a very 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 short period of time kind of insane thunderstorms overnight it was not a lot of fun uh, as as again as everyone has figured out if you've watched even like 10 minutes of one of these shows i have two batshit crazy dogs who um despite being 75 pounds and could beat the ever-living shit out of me if they wanted to uh husky shepherd mixes they are the biggest sissies you've ever met in your entire life when it comes to storms and fireworks. And they basically <laughs> seem like the same thing to them. I'm sure both of them. And so we had, it was, it was honestly some of the most insane thunderstorms I've really like ever experienced in my life. It was pretty crazy. And so uh, not a lot of sleep that night. And uh, we slept in the basement, which also led to a little bit of concerns over flooding. Um, and today, uh, yesterday was okay. It rained a little bit, but today we're going to get some more 
crazy storms. It's going to rain from uh, starting in about an hour until uh, tomorrow. So uh, trying to trying to I, I don't want to be streaming if my basement is flooding, if uh, it's it's crazy thunderstorming and it's already bad enough. If you've watched with these two dogs uh, running around, we had a I can't remember which stream it was. I think it was Monday. Somebody tweeted at me sorry if you're watching because i'm calling you out but it was funny that uh that somebody said like oh i love the show but can you keep can you keep the dogs away from the microphone it's absolutely brutal <laughs> i didn't reply but i was just like uh <laughs> hate to break it to you buddy not going to be able to keep the dog keep the dogs away so um you know uh maybe this won't be this won't end up the, the uh the show for you but yeah so wanted to get this show in before we kind of have some crazy storms later. So we're going to have a little lunchtime uh, chat about 2022 fantasy football. As I mentioned at the top, this is uh, kind of a part two to last week's episode. I, there was no intention of making this into two different parts. Um, go back. Uh, I really do recommend going back. I, I, I don't ever. It's funny. I don't ever re-listen to my own content, really. Um, I don't like listening to myself talk. And I like to listen to other people and I do some, I do this streaming thing like pretty much every day. So I don't really like to go back and listen to myself, but you know, in preparation for this episode, I did go back and listen to last week's and um, I actually thought it was, it was um, really insightful. So we'll, we'll try not to hit on some of the stuff we hit on last week, but I do recommend uh, going back and listening to that episode where a lot of it, um, like I mentioned at the top is revolving around kind of, the start, the start to drafts. We talked a lot about um, the top five and how to navigate some of that, which led into, particularly led into some player combination and those kinds of uh, conversations, which was not the intention. And so today, I want to dive into some of the other little specific elements that pertain to 2022 drafts that I think are really unique and things that we can um, maybe maybe take advantage of. So um, real quick, we'll hit a, a couple of. Uh, of comments go fuck yourself bullock uh noah good morning thank you for thank you for joining us you too willis thank you for joining us um yeah this is funny uh that's that's always a good sign um whoa 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 that's all i'll say yeah <laughs> excuse me usually we go without rain this whole summer we actually had gone without rain Willis said, I wish it rained here. Uh, we go without rain for so long and we went without rain for so long. It was awful. I was, <laughs> I almost said this without thinking about it. And it makes me feel like such a boomer and like such a Midwestern homeowner or whatever. But you know, like when it, when it's a hundred degrees, 115 um, with, with humidity, the grass is dying and everything. I'm waking up in the mornings and f watering the lawn and shit because it didn't rain. And now it's like overcompensating. Like we're going to get like a million more inches of rain. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm just like fingers crossed. My basement doesn't flood. And like, like the whole city flooded St. Louis, like half the half St. Louis city flooded, like public, like there's a bunch of interstates highways that you are, are blocked off because they're all flooded. Some public transportation, um, it's called the Metrolink here, but it's kind of like a uh, a subway system, basically, that uh, was like they're flooded. 
Um, so it was pretty great. It's it's been it's been pretty crazy the last couple of days. Definitely been crazy. Definitely been crazy um, this summer. Um, absolutely, dogs over humans. That's that's that's. If you had to press me on one life take, it's this. I think dogs are literally the best, and humans are literally the worst. So I think Nick's take here that dogs over humans. I think that's. I think that's the. If I'm gonna like put that one on my tombstone, I think that's that's the one I have. I, I, have I not mentioned this? Bullock asked dog uh, about my dog's names. Have I not mentioned this before? I don't know if I have. <clears throat> so, super quick story. I know we're gonna get for the people who actually are here to listen to fantasy football 2022, whatever. I promise we're gonna get into it. Last week we talked about puzzles, which actually was kind of a uh, insightful conversation. We'll get to it in a second. My dog's names are um one if you see the hat on the right here where i'm pointing to ken griffey ken griffey jr hat that was ken griffey jr and penny hardaway were my favorites um athletes growing up then obviously you know you see darius miles here um as a, a homegrown guy um a little bit later but ken griffey jr was like my idol um i played i you know, I started playing baseball before I started playing every single sport. I'm left-handed. Um, you would go play wiffle ball and stuff with your buddies and try to do the the Griffey batting stance, you know, and the Griffey swing and everything. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. baseball on Nintendo 64 was probably the game I played the most in my life. And so um, when we were, when my wife and I were going to adopt a dog, we were adopting from her parents' neighbors, their dog had um, puppies, um, like 10 puppies or something like that. It was a bunch. And we were just going to get one. But they had a <clears> – <throat> we went on vacation, and we were going to come back from vacation and pick up the dog. We had picked out this this dog. He was going to be um, – Griffey was his name that uh, we named. That is his name. But then uh, we came back, and they had adopted out every dog – except ours and one more. They hadn't found an owner for one last one. And so my my wife's parents kept that dog along with ours for a couple of days leading up to us coming back from vacation. I think we just went to Florida and uh basically suckered us in suckered me into taking the second dog so that's why we have two we have two from the same litter which has uh uh if anyone hasn't done that before i don't i don't necessarily recommend it it has its hurdles but we ended up um with two the second one um my father-in-law named taz t-a-z so it's griffey for ken griffey jr and taz like tasmanian devil and uh it's because when he was a puppy he absolutely looked like a like like a tasmanian devil he doesn't really look like that anymore but it's kind of funny because that's you know griffy was the dog we were always going to get his ears are perking up it's really funny he's griffy he's laying right next to me uh that he was the dog we were always going to get and um he's a he i mean he's my guy too they'll both they're they're both like you know my buddies but he's a little bit more of a mama's boy and Taz, the dog who we had zero, literally zero intention of getting into, we just showed up at their house to pick up our dog that we were adopting. And they're like, 
and they're like, Hey, guess what? We got two. And like, you know, I'm holding two puppies and I'm like, what am I going to do here? Like, I'm not just going to leave, you know, he's the, and they're telling me the sort the story, you know, it's like all the puppies got adopted except him. And I'm like, fuck me. You know, what am I going to do? Leave this dog. And so he ends up being, Taz is my, he like, that's my shadow. He's, he's my guy. Uh, I can't, I can't go to the fucking bathroom without, uh, without him, uh, following me around. So anyway, we've wasted, we've wasted your time. You guys have heard enough about, enough about, uh, about my dogs. Let's see. Let's hit some comments. Um, <laughs> this is where you start eating hot dogs. No, I haven't had a hot dog since. I don't plan to have another hot dog. Uh, <laughs> maybe, hopefully not in my life. Maybe not even dick-shaped foods. I don't even know if I can do dick-shaped foods. Just the shape of the hot dog is probably going to bring up like nightmare um, scenarios. Willis, come on. No one is saying the opposite. Don't start a kids versus dogs confrontation in the chat, please. I have to ban you like one of the uh, sex bots or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is a good. This is a a good point. Do dogs feel the same way? I bet for them, humans, a hundred percent, humans over dogs. That is a that is a fact. Definitely, my dogs are my kids. I don't have any kids, so uh, uh, that is a. Where I stand on on that one, definitely two dog life. I can't imagine only having one now that I have two. It, not that I you know, there's no shade on only having one dog, but once you get the second one, it's like, uh, it's pretty it's pretty life changing. Definitely remember Little Penny. I've been trying. So you see this wall here is blank, right? I have I haven't just gotten I haven't put them up yet. I have a Penny poster. Um, over here I have a Griffey poster. I'm trying to work on beefing up the the background but um definitely remember little penny i will never forget the penny hardaway days i have some of the old penny i'm a, I'm a little bit of a sneakerhead not like a crazy sneakerhead but a little bit of a sneakerhead um i have jo some you know old school jordan i grew up in that era right jordan's pennies uh all that kind of stuff so um yeah spike week story time we've wasted 15 minutes of you guys uh afternoon i appreciate you hanging out listening to me talk about dogs instead of uh fantasy football so let's dive into it though last week like i said we talked the majority about kind of the beginning of drafts and to recap really really super quickly the main part we talked about at the top was the fact that there is this top five that is like i can't really remember um uh, necessarily <laughs> Matt says, "Oh, it's time to talk about football." Yep, see ya. Um, that's how I. That's how. That's how I feel too. We need to start a a best ball group show that's like literally not ever talking about fantasy football. Um, sorry, too and ice. Is that not what you're supposed to do? Um, so 2022, let's actually get on track here. But the top five thing is a legitimately huge aspect to drafts because your first several rounds can be dictated by the fact of whether you got that top five or you didn't get that top five. And so, um, yeah, 
yeah exactly we're turning it we're turning into the soul cast the better the better collective uh brand is seeping into is seeping into uh spike week also this is uh, you know this is closer to when the soul cast goes live this is not when i'm used to streaming i still have coffee i still have coffee here so it's um i'm not in the zone from the normal afternoon or evening uh you know streams and discussions that we have Well, ADP doesn't matter. Moderately, moderately better collective. So we talked about the the uh, top five thing in depth last week, and we talked about some different um, player combinations. <laughs> yeah, uh, puzzles. Carlos, Carlos clearly uh, tuned in last week with the puzzles. So. <clears throat> Again, I'm sharing this. This article is kind of the guiding light, if you will, to this conversation. Um, it's 100% free. Go to specweek.com. Uh, I think it's the third article from the top of how to draft optimally within this within this environment. But it kind of hits on a, all these key points. I wrote, <laughs> as you see, I scroll. I wrote probably more words than I needed to on this. But like, here's kind of this top five section. You combine that with the video of last week and you'll see some really good, um, I think insight, both from me and from the people in the, in the, the, the chat to, um, discuss. This is an interesting take from Doug Douglas dig should be in the top five over chase. I know we're all on Gabe Davis, but what if we're just overlooking a monster dig season, taking my stance on digs as wide receiver one this year. Um, actually digs is my seventh overall player. I have the top five which is for anyone um, kind of just, just getting into the, the uh, into drafts in 2022, you have Jonathan in, in no particular order. You have Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar chase is kind of your consensus top five. And I do believe that that is the top five. I think Doug makes a more than fair point that you still have Stefan Diggs, who last year was actually my wide receiver one over Devontae Adams and over Tyree kill. That didn't work, obviously, but he wasn't really it wasn't necessarily because he was like bad or anything like that. As as Josh says, I like Diggs as a as a bounce back. He just ran kind of bad on, you know, if he connects on a few different plays here and there. It's a it's a totally different story. The only counter I would say to what Doug says with having him in the top five over Chase is. If you are playing in one like redraft league or, or just doing one best ball draft or whatever. And Diggs is your guy. You like him as Doug does in the top five. That's fine. Take him. If you're a best ball player, like most of the people listening to this and like I am, I think that that take is reasonable. I, that's not how I have it, but I do have digs above ADP, like in my rankings on all sites. So I'm going to get, plenty of Stefan Diggs when I do a volume of drafts, even if you do 10, 25, 50 drafts, right? You do the, the uh, DraftKings just launched another uh, 20 max tournament, $4, right? So the most you can spend in that tournament is $80. You spend 80 bucks on your best ball teams and you're going to get Stefan Diggs if you like him and you have him ranked like I do seventh overall. Uh, it, maybe you have him above Kelsey at six after the top five it's kind of we talked about this last week where it's like just take those top five guys 
when they come to you. If you actually have digs that far ahead of ADP, you're going to get the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever pick a lot, a lot more than you're going to get, right? Any individual top five pick. So you're going to be overweight, Stefan Diggs, from having him there. And that's, excuse me, that is what has happened to me. It's happened a little bit more with Travis Kelsey for me, but that, that that's because I have Kelsey sixth and Diggs seventh. So, um, yeah, I think I think uh, I think the digs in the top five thing is is totally fine. The only, you know, Jamar Chase is what twenty two years old. <clears throat> um, we're not doing this. I I I threw you a bone all of last week, allowing Najee to enter this conversation. Tony, we're not doing this. We're not doing this again. Yeah, Doug says uh, I take digs every time back of the first. Yeah, me uh, like I'm. <clears throat> I don't even necessarily agree with you that that Diggs should be in the top five, but just by the sheer fact of the fact he's seventh overall for me, I have a bunch of him because he doesn't always, you know, the top five more often than not go in the top five, particularly on underdog. Whereas Diggs goes generally eighth on underdog, but there, there's a little more fluidity to the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth picks. Um, so that's a good that's a I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good um kind of starting to segue into some of these other things. Something we um something we need to talk about from a this isn't even just like a 2022 ADP thing or tier breaks or whatever, pivoting a little bit. What you see on the screen is I I, I this concept that I think I'll be honest with you guys. I get triggered I I don't get it like I'm I've gotten a little bit older. I don't get as triggered as I used to get on Twitter. When I was young, a lot of things used to trigger me. Doesn't really happen anymore. I like to shit post. I reply here and there. But I don't really get I don't really care anymore. I'm too old to care. But some of the analysis that you see in fantasy football Twitter, fantasy football YouTube, on fucking ESPN, whatever, is this idea that because the market has gotten smarter on what wins fantasy leagues, that the players that have the upside to win you your fantasy league are overvalued because in 2015 or whatever, we didn't have to draft them there. It's one of the biggest myths that exist right now, still today. And in best ball, it's even more, it's even more important in your, in your home league or whatever. Right. And that's a little bit of the disconnect. You draft in your 12 team home league with your buddies from high school. And like, Honestly, if if you're watching this, you're probably <laughs> serious enough about this that you're just probably better than your home league buddies and you just have to like not screw it up and then work the waivers or whatever. But in best ball, that is not like the whole this whole landscape has changed. The fact that there's these huge best ball tournaments with millions of dollars in prizes. I mean, best ball mania has best ball mania 3 has 10 million dollars in total prizes. Two million to first place. Uh, DraftKings has millions and millions and millions of total tournaments across all their tournaments. 
has brought out sharper people, sharper analysis, right? Than when we all grew up playing in our home leagues. And so what that has led to is people figuring out that drafting that low upside floor run floor running back or even that low upside floor receiver or whatever is not what wins us $2 million in best ball mania. It is the big high upside bets. We saw this huge shift. It kind of started last year. I'm not saying it was a hundred percent because of this, but you saw a gigantic shift largely to wide receivers, but also just to upside players last year, late last year, um, partially because of the, the ship chasing um, community and the spike week community pushing some of these upside bets. Now what exists is this element of paying for upside that like didn't really exist and, and still may not exist in your home league today. You might be able to get the Gabe Davises and the Jerry Judy's of the world at a, an extreme value in your home league because people are still drafting Josh Jacobs or whatever in the third round. I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done a home league draft, but the, this idea that when people take to Twitter and say, LOL, you can't draft Gabe Davis in the fourth round or LOL, you can't draft Jerry Judy here. You can't draft whatever. Pick a, an upside player, right? You can't draft this rookie here. You can't draft Brees Hall. You can't draft, you know, whoever. Pick an upside, right? The Bron- uh, uh, Juju, you can't draft Juju here lol you know people are like look at what gabe davis gabe davis has played two years in the nfl and he's never done anything why the hell are you taking him in the fourth round well it's because he's 20 fucking three years old he just had the single one of the single greatest playoff games in the history of the nfl of literally in the history of of the nfl and the team which subsequently is uh the past happiest team in the nfl arguably the best offense in the NFL decided he is the man. He's a hundred percent snap player, him and Stefan Diggs on the outside with Josh Allen. It's the dream scenario. Will Gabe Davis take a step? I have no idea, but to find out you have to pay for it. Which Broncos you tell me which Broncos player is going to take a step. The entire market has decided that the Broncos are like a good bet. I agree. Go check out the Spike Week rankings. Go go to spikeweek.com and check out the rankings and see that basically every Broncos player is ahead of ADP. I think even Tim Patrick, which is kind of crazy. But every Broncos player is a good bet. Do I have any idea, honestly, which player it's going to be? Sutton versus Judy, Patrick, Alberto, Dolchich, Javante, Melvin? Nope. Zero. None. I don't have any idea. I'm not going to pretend. Like, people will waste hours of their life trying to say, I know. I studied the film. It's, It's Sutton. It's Sutton. Yeah, but like, what if Jerry Judy's just like Tyler Lockett from <laughs> Seattle? Like, I, I don't know. What if he's a better Tyler Lockett? 
What if Albert O is just a bad motherfucker and awesome? What if Javante Williams is awesome? What if what if Javante gets hurt? Melvin's the best pick in the in all of drafts. I don't know. I'm not worried about figuring that out, but I have to if I want to get access to that, I have to pay for it. You don't get you don't get upside shots anymore at a discount. Now, DraftKings is a little bit different. I know there's a little bit of a uh there's a little bit of of uh, a, a discount at times on say a DraftKings. But if you want to if you want an upside player, Gabe Davis, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Now, Albert O is really sliding. Uh Javante Williams pivoting away from them. You want you want Saquon? Guess what? He just got steamed up. Uh even the even the the Jamar Chase thing. It's like maybe Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in the NFL already at this age. Got to pay for it. You know, uh Allen Allen Robinson, a guy who um joined the Spike Week Discord, spikeweek.com, click Discord in the header. We were talking about Allen Robinson a little bit and and quite quite a few of us are a little bit underweight on Allen Robinson. And but it was like Look, he sucked last year. I mean, he was the wide receiver 91. He was flat out terrible last year. But like, this is the Rams. It's, and it's Allen Robinson. Years past, the guy who was the wide receiver 91 last year, do you know where he would go? Not not the four or five turn, but you got to pay. You got to pay for upside. So you need to know going into drafts, point blank period, that this premise of like, damn, that dude is going at this price. He's never been good before. But it's because his profile is such that he could just, he could be the Cooper Cup, right? Or whatever, the Cooper Cup or the Jamar Chase or um, the Jonathan Taylor. He could be that guy, the Mark Andrews, right? Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts scored one. Kyle Pitts caught sixty balls and scored one touchdown last year. Now he had a thousand yards, but he he caught sixty balls and scored one touchdown last year. Why the hell does he go in the early third round? If we're using twenty fifteen logic, you're like, I'm not drafting that dude. Marcus Mariota is his quarterback. Well, it's because his upside is like that. We're drafting him where we're drafting Travis Kelsey now, next year. And imagine if they get, you know, Bryce Young or something like that. They get one of these these uh, quarterbacks in, in next year's draft. It's like, well, that's why we're drafting Kyle Pitts, right? You see here, it's a, the Broncos wide receivers, Allen Robinson, Juju, Pitts, Javante, Trey Lance. Like, they're more expensive than we would have drafted them years ago. But that's it, that doesn't mean you don't take them. It doesn't mean you take the guys who like you still need to have league winners in your drafts. You have to pay more than you used to pay, but that doesn't mean that doesn't up. Oh, I can't take Trey Lance. Now I got to take Derek Carr. And it's like, uh, I just saw a tweet early, literally like a little bit before this I think It was, um, uh, shit. I don't remember who it was, but mentioned that there were only a handful of quarterbacks who played, you know, a requisite number of games who never recorded a top five quarterback week. And Derek Carr was one of them. The perfect example of like, and I, I actually don't totally hate Derek Carr this year. You know, the Devonte Adams things uh, certainly changes 
you get the best, maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL that obviously changes things. But point being like their car is going to run for, you know, zero yards and he just physically cannot be a top three to five quarterback. It's just, it, it's not because he's bad. It's just, that's how fantasy football scoring works. So you have to pay, Trey Lance, Trey Lance's range is really wide because he could just suck. And Derek Carr, we know, doesn't suck. But, like, if you want to pave to find out if you can get the league winner, you got to pay. Why do you have to pay for Jalen Hurts? Why do you have to pay for Trey Lance? Why do you have to pay for Lamar? Those guys is because they can actually be the league winner. Derek Carr is just, you know, treading water. And maybe maybe a little bit more now that they have Devontae, right? But, like, what are you really, what are you really winning with him? Like Mac Jones goes in the 15th round or whatever. Derek Carr goes in the 10th. Why is there a big difference? They're like not that different. Um, so anyway, the upside thing is like huge, huge. Look at that, David. David posted this um, right before I literally said this. See, we're on the same page here. Spike Week shows uh, everybody. Everybody just knows uh, knows already what I'm going to say. Apparently, can I give you the mic? So you have to pay for upside. That like this this premise of like so and so is over. He's priced. This is my my favorite one. My this is actually my favorite comment that people make. But he he's priced at his ceiling. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? What do you mean he's priced at his ceiling? Was Cooper Cup priced at his ceiling? Was Jamar Chase? Was Jonathan Taylor? Was Mark Andrews? No. The point is, you don't know what their ceiling is. That's why we draft them. (laughs) We identify the upside archetypes, and we draft them. Because their range is so, we actually don't know how wide their range is. That's why you draft those guys. You don't price that they're ceiling. What do you mean? If like, let's use Gabe. If 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 Stefan Diggs, I I agree with uh, Douglas. I, I like Stefan Diggs. Like I said, he's my seventh overall player. I'm on him. But if Stefan Diggs, if the efficiency thing was actually like maybe he's declining a little bit. He is getting a little bit older. I'm not saying he's declining. I'm saying what if. He's declining, and Gabe is improving, and get, and it's more of a 1A, 1B situation. Next year, Gabe is not priced at his ceiling. We're going to be taking him. Where are we going to be taking? If Gabe takes a step forward, Diggs takes a step back, where are we going to be taking these guys next year? Of course, he's not at his price that is ceiling. I don't even know what the fuck that means. The Broncos are the Broncos wide receivers priced at their ceiling. Fifth, fourth, fifth round picks. Deke, uh, just just in recent years, we were drafting DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett before this. So I don't really think it's possible that those guys are priced at their ceiling. Again, to the Gabe thing, we draft. We used to draft multiple Chiefs in the first round. We used to draft. Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey in the first round, and we took CEH or Damian Williams, and we took McColl at a certain level. 
So like these guys are not priced at their ceiling, but we just now have to pay to get that ceiling. We don't get that in the eighth round anymore. Yeah, exactly. Was cup cup we drafted cup in the fourth round last year. I remember my very first uh my literally my first BBM team of last year. Best Ball Mania 2 was a Rams deck. G- I took G- which is funny cuz he fell. I got bad value on multiple running backs. It was a hyper fragile team with I believe JT I'm going to screw up the exact running backs. I know JT and Miles Sanders were on it, but then I had Stafford, Cup, Higby, and I think Henderson. So, like, I onslaughted the Rams or whatever. But I just, like, got (laughs) Cup right, JT right. It didn't have Mark Andrews. I don't remember exactly. But like I said, it was a hyper-fragile team. I drafted Cooper Cup in the sixth round to start last year. He settled in at that 3-4 turn or whatever. But, you know, was he priced at his ceiling? Of course not. Of course not. Because we don't know what their ceilings are. Let's see. Um, Jeff says, Carr can definitely be of use on the top team. He has 300 yard and four TD games in his range of outcomes and the positional advantage you get by waiting at QB for him can't be understated. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. You're not really waiting for him. He's like a, what? He goes around, pick a hundred. So the, the, the problem lies in that he he has he has a 300 yard four TD game in his range of outcomes, but like most guys do, and so he doesn't run. He doesn't have a hundred rushing yard. Uh, you know, Trey Lance can run for a hundred yards and two touchdowns, and throw for two hundred plus and multiple touchdowns. Obviously, Lamar Fields runs. You know, and he's not like I guess I I guess you're he's like discount shitty Tom Brady, which is fine. Totally fine. That's why he goes where he goes, but he's not like some um, discount. And I did I? I apologize if I said he can't help. I that would I don't. If I did, I didn't mean he can't help. Um, but it's like he's fine. Do you have a scenario in uh, in uh, which Derek Carr went right? But they should. Jeff says, yeah, but they're going a few rounds earlier, so that's the difference. Yeah, but they should because they they can take a leap that Derek Carr can't. That's that's like the point is that he's fine. You're not like upset that Derek Carr is on your team, but you have to pay for the real ceiling. Derek Carr doesn't have the real ceiling. Yes. Like, I can't really, like, you know, uh, debate, oh, he could throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns in a week. Sure, that is true. So could Mac. (laughs) So could Mac Jones. You know what I mean? So could whatever. Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. You know, I I, and Derek Carr's more expensive than them. So, like, why are you paying a premium for Derek Carr when Mac Jones is available five rounds later? to this exact same argument. Well, the point is you're paying for the the floor, not the ceiling of Derek Carr. When you pay for Trey Lance and you pay for Lamar Jackson, you pay for Kyler Murray, you pay for Josh Allen, you're paying for the ceiling. The guys who can 
like literally blow everyone away. Three, the crazy thing, 300 yards and four touchdowns in a week passing with no rushing is awesome, of course. But like, it's not, you're not like really separating at the quarterback position. I, I that's, that's a big thing about quarterback that I don't think people like totally understand. It's like, if you don't run, obviously 300 yards and four touchdowns is good. No one is like, <laughs> no one is upset with that, uh, particularly on DraftKings when you get the extra three points. But it's like really good, not like, like there's going to be a bunch of other guys who score within a handful of points of that. And so you, I want the dudes who um, can totally, yeah, I mean, this this is fine, but Mac Jones didn't have the weapons before and put up has put up similar fantasy points. And again, for a much cheaper, right? right? The argument was that I can get Derek Carr cheaper than that guys with real upside. And the point was, I have to pay for the real upside with the running and the elite offenses. And so you're just putting Carr in there because of that floor, basically. And I liked, I'm bullish on the Raiders, but um, I'm, I don't, I don't think that there's a case. I think Carr is actually a really great example of he's the guy a little bit propped up by the floor and a sprinkle of upside. I have a little bit of Carr because, like I said, I like, I like the Raiders, but. He doesn't. He, there is not a scenario in which Derek Carr finishes in the top handful of fantasy quarterbacks, and not even just finishing like a cumulative scoring or whatever. But like when you get to the playoff weeks, where Derek Carr projects as one of the top quarterbacks, it's just not. It just doesn't like. It's just not how uh, fantasy football scoring works. It doesn't mean he can't be a fine pick, but in terms of paying for upside. Um, he kind of falls in this range where like he's really not like he's better than the later guys, but he's not that much better. And he doesn't have the ceiling that the earlier guys have. Yeah, probably, probably, oh, sorry, probably a, a decent comp. Stafford was, um, actually don't know. I can look really fast. Excuse me. Um, I think the Stafford comp is a fair one, right? Stafford Stafford moved teams, which is the same thing basically as um car getting new weapons, right? I can share I can share my screen. We'll uh we'll we'll, we'll uh look at this really fast. Cuz I do think it's a good conversation. Um just looking really quickly at the fantasy pro stuff. <clears throat> Weeks one through 17 last year by points per game. Stafford was, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Stafford was 10th. Burrow was 9th. Dak was 11th. It's probably, right? Somewhere in there. So, like, cars drafted about where you should go. Rodgers was, uh, was that 7th? 6th? So, like, absolute ceiling? 6th? 21 points a game. It's fine. But this doesn't exist. He's not going, he, it, it, he can't do this. He can't do Josh Allen. 
And so that doesn't mean you shouldn't draft him, but it does mean you have to pay for the guys who can. Whether or not they can like do it X amount of the time, right? Uh, you know, we're it's all about probabilities, it's all about range of outcomes, blah, blah, blah. But the point is that he can't. Trey Lance can't. Kyler Murray can't. And so um best ball is an intricate game where it doesn't mean I want to avoid Derek Carr, but I but the premise, the whole conversation <laughs> we turned it into a Derek Carr conversation, but the whole point wasn't about Derek. I, I don't give a shit about Derek Carr. The point of the conversation was that you have to pay for upside. Derek Carr is actually a really good um, kind of side conversation because he's the example of he doesn't have that in his in his range. And so you can get him at, at a cost that's fine. I don't dislike Derek Carr's cost. I probably, if, if you went to the, the rank, I actually don't know. If you went to the rankings, he's probably, he might be above uh, ADV in terms of his rankings. But if I want the dudes who can win the league for me, if I want second year Lamar Jackson, rookie year RG3, those guys, I got to pay now. I don't get them at this cheap, at this uh, cheap range. Um, last, last point on this. I'm really, I'm not following. So maybe uh, the, the, you guys can uh, discuss it in chat. Jeff says, but that's why they go earlier. So what's the point? We know this already. I'm not totally following. Um, so apologize if I didn't make myself make myself clear. They go earlier because they can actually have, you know, the superstar gear. That that was the point. You have to pay. The whole premise was you have to pay for the upside. That's what it literally says. <laughs> Uh, so like getting a guy who can't win you the league cheaper is fine, but he can't win you the league. You do need people that can win you the league, right? If you stockpile your team with a bunch of Brandon Cooks and Derek Carr and those types, you are just building this floor that can't win the league. Like, congratulations, you finished fifth. You know, which in best ball, as we see, as you see on the screen, we're talking about best ball specifically. The ceiling is the most important. I'm trying to win $2 million. So the ceiling, I have to pay for the upside and I want to pay for that upside. It's, it's a very important like aspect of the best ball game. I do think you could probably play your home league and take the Derek Carr. Do that. Probably if I had if I had to totally um uh you know backdoor this <clears throat> for your home league, I would I would like smash a bunch of the superstar wide receivers and then maybe hit, you know, the the Kareem hunts and Ramondre's or whatever, and then take Derek Carr and then take like, I don't know, another flyer on a, on a quarterback in my home league. And I would probably win because Carr does provide, you know, I just don't really have to worry about Derek Carr very much. He's going to get me 10 to 20, 25 in an upside scenario, right? The 300 and 304 as was outlined is his upside. So that's a little more than that, but you get the point. 
he's never really gonna be awful he's not you know um jacoby Brissett or whatever he's never gonna be awful so i'll just book that in and and i i, don't, I only have to beat one person every single week because it's matchups but in best ball that's it's that's not how this game works and so the upside thing is important um let's move on from the upside this is what happened last week we talked about puzzles and all this uh and all this and all this stuff um yeah this this is the point i mean this is um the when the argument of what if he's the guy you need which is like a total meme we haven't really memed it to where it probably should be memed but it's like but he could do this it's like yes technically he could be the guy you need 100% no argument but like that that doesn't negate any of the other <laughs> factors the the point is um is well beyond like, but he could throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. And Trey Lance could throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns and run for 102. But like, I, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, like, of course it's not going to happen. The point is that we're, there are upside archetypes and non upside archetypes. And whether you agree or not, Derek Carr, factually is a non-upside archetype he is a fine archetype because he's a solid quarterback on a really talented offense but uh he is uh not he cannot be the the league winner so nfl player movement a good segue from from uh Derek carr is that this offseason creates has created so much uncertainty. Maybe the most uncertainty we've had in a long time in in fantasy football. Has there ever been an offseason where a superstar quarterback, Russell Wilson, maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL, Devontae Adams, maybe the most electric wide receiver in the NFL, Tyreek Hill, uh, this insane, weird Deshaun Watson, you know, fucked up Deshaun Watson, situation some secondary quarterbacks matt ryan carson wentz baker mayfield a, a sprinkling of of rookies right all these guys change teams juju the chiefs are totally new all this shit is new and you so you create when all these players move teams it creates uncertainty and uncertainty creates upside Right, using the Derek Carr things like Derek Carr is what Derek Carr is. There's a reason why the upside doesn't exist because he can't do the things that we need. There's no uncertainty. He can't run, can't do this. The uncertainty with Russell Wilson and the Broncos, as we talked about earlier, with like the paying the original the original points of paying for upside, is like everyone. If you do a projection of the Broncos. You're bullish on the entire offense. That's just like how a upside. Um, what is up with the fucking Derek Carr? Yes, if Derek Carr throws for six thousand yards, he also can't be a league winner. Tom Brady threw for six thousand yards and more than that. 
last year at a similar ADP and wasn't he was what QB five. That's literally the point. <laughs> I appreciate you guys like being obsessed with this thing, but you're kind of actually unknowingly proving the point about, uh, about these pocket passers. They can be fine. I take them, but they, they cannot actually win you the league. They can be good picks, but they can't be Josh Allen. It just is not possible. So let's move on from the Derek Carr thing. <laughs> the player movement stuff is the most fascinating thing. The market has decided that certain situations, <clears throat> there's a very polarizing, uh, uh, the Raiders are, are a good one. We tried to move on from Derek Carr and we can't. Devontae Adams still goes in the first round. Despite the fact that he left Aaron Rodgers and now goes to, to Derek Carr. And despite the fact that the chat is very clearly uh, a pro Derek Carr in the ninth round or whatever. There's a lot of uncertainty as to Devontae Adams has be, been a first round pick because of m massive like league leading volume. And of course, it's in the range and and maybe even likely that that happens but why he falls a little bit outside of a couple of the other picks for me i think i think i have devonte 8th overall so it's not even like i'm low on him i'm just higher on a couple of other guys is this uncertainty created by when the market decides that an uncertain situation they've made a you know, a proclamation about that specific player, it can be more advantageous to say, well, what if Devante goes from a 30 plus target share to like, I don't know, mid twenties or whatever. Well, now the offense is better as everybody that's stroking it to Derek Carr in the chat believes. And you have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro who are super cheap. And Devante is like opening things up for them. Maybe they're the smashes. Not Devontae Adams. Uh, this did make me. This did make me laugh. But what if he throws? But what if he throws thirty in the in week seventeen, Doug? Um, the player movement thing. We don't have to talk. We don't have to go super deep into it. You guys probably get it. But the point is, <clears throat> when all of this, right? The Broncos. The Broncos and the Chiefs are the best two examples. The Broncos didn't have a bunch of player movement, but they turned Drew Locke into Russell Wilson, which is like one of the most absurd upgrades ever. <laughs> even like Jameis to Bra Jameis and Fitzpatrick to Brady wasn't, I don't know, wasn't even this big an upgrade. It's close, I guess. But at least Jameis is like an NFL quarterback and Fitz was an NFL quarterback. Drew Locke's not. And so they have all these weapons and we just haven't – we have no idea. We know that the offense will be good or we are extremely confident we can project that the offense will be good. And they're probably going to be in a bunch of shootouts given that division. So someone has to score fantasy points. It's and and we draft them all accordingly, right? Again, going back to the paying for upside thing, we have to draft them all accordingly, but we really don't know who it's going to be. 
but that creates we're going to go after this year this year's going to play out and we're going to go into next we're going to go into next off season and we're going to laugh at where we are taking all the broncos because we're going to get the results and it's going to be like yep sutton was the man or judy was the man or fucking tim patrick was the man or lol we let Albert O fall into the 150s in ADP, you know, or oh my God, oh my God, Javante is like peak Marshawn Lynch on steroids. Why was he going in the third round? We're like, we're gonna, I don't know what this, you know, or Javante got hurt. LOL, we let Melvin Gordon fall to the 10th round. Like, we're gonna laugh at what we did. But the point about the movement thing is we don't know, but it creates this crazy wide band in terms of outcomes for all of these players. And those are the players we should be targeting. Assuming the market hasn't like crazy overpriced them. This is, I mean, <laughs> I'm not allowed to, I already, I already uh, took a big L because all of the people that, you know, I associate with in the entire space have been shitting on Russell Gage going in the seventh round or whatever for, a while and I was kind of like <laughs> low key, like, I don't know. I think it's fine. <laughs> and, uh, and everybody shits on Tim Patrick and I'm like, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think he's fine. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on, uh, on this. I mean, I, I think this is tr- like, what if everybody's like, I don't know if it's Sutton or Judy or Alberto. Everybody has questions about Alberto. Everybody has questions about Sutton versus Judy. What if it's just Tim Patrick and KJ Amler? that are better like that's in the range of outcomes but that's the point about the movement is like assessing all these different situations we're in a very weird landscape like we're in a spot where uh we just we only talked about the broncos look at the chiefs the chiefs lost tyree kill and then not only they lose tyree kill demarcus robinson's gone byron pringle's gone and they replaced him with you know interesting options obviously juju smith schuster has uh, is a is a polarizing name and the the guy the market has granted as you know kind of the the lead wide receiver for the chiefs they also have sky Moore, who you know is a, a steamy fun rookie pick and then you have mvs who is like the the quote the perfect better and best ball guy then you have the the one holdover in hardman and it's like would you be surprised if next year MVS is a fifth round pick or sky is a third round pick or whatever. Would you be surprised? I wouldn't at all. One of them could be a fucking first round pick for all we know. Travis Kelsey's 34 years old, (laughs) you know, but that is the point. These, all these player movement things have created this uncertainty that, is exactly what we need to pounce on. So we talked about the top five thing. We talked about paying for upside, which uh, led us down a, a funny path. And then we kind of talked about the draft uncertainty. Let's hit a couple more, a couple more points. Um, I did talk about this draft dead zone in the article. I won't dive too too deep into it, um, mostly because I think Derek Carr is on one of these screenshots, and we don't we don't need to do that. Uh, actually, he's not. Okay, good. Um, Dak is though. You get into uh, Amon Ra's on here. You know, I like Amon Ra. I like Jalen Hurts, whatever. But you get into the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round or whatever of drafts. And um, it's, it's, 
it's it's kind of a dead zone. Not not that there aren't interesting picks here, right? You see some of these guys we've talked about, Russ, Trey Lance, um, really like Chris Godwin personally, um, Elijah Moore, big fan, Devonta Smith, whatever. But you you'll reach that range where a lot of your drafts from the sixth to the tenth round, you get on the clock and you're like, shit, it's it's not really appealing for me with the the players that are here right see you this happens to me all the time i don't know about you guys i will get on the clock and the top guys available are like ceh deandre hopkins you know let me look at the let me look at the screen here and see if i can find you know michael thomas alan lazard hunter renfro and you're like fuck man i don't like any of the i like i'm not really excited about any of these guys and that's kind of the point is you're going to reach these, this kind of pocket. And like I said, eh, sixth is a little bit of a reach, but the sixth to the 10th, 11th round where the, the, it'll, it'll change the specific round depending upon the draft that you're in, but you're going to fall into this dead zone. And the whole point is don't be beholden to ADP. When you reach those pockets of the draft, you're going to reach a pocket of the draft that is like, if you don't have those guys ranked and projected above the other guys, don't just take CEH. Don't just take DeAndre Hopkins because he's at the top of the ADP list. You see in the article, I talked to uh, Ben Gretsch a few weeks ago, and he put it so perfectly. It's okay to be creative. It's like that guy's 12 picks later, but you have him better, and this whole range sucks. Just take the guy you want. We don't have to be you know, robots with ADP. And when you get to that range, just take Shane's advice and draft Eric Carr. A um, couple quick things before we get out of here. Um, I talked about the, uh, the we, we've talked about the QBs. Actually, I want to I want to pivot down a little bit. Elite quarterback, I feel like has been covered. You know, the main thing about quarterback, the quarterback position as a whole, is that the market has gotten very good at it. Similar to the upside thing, the market knows who the best quarterbacks are. Why doesn't Derek Carr go in the <laughs> in the top six or seven rounds? Because the market is very good at assessing who the upside quarterbacks are. Why does Trey Lance go two rounds ahead of Derek Carr? Because he has the upside to win you the league, and Derek Carr doesn't. So the market has gotten hip to that. But you see, that doesn't mean we shouldn't take elite quarterbacks, even if they're priced efficiently, right? The market has decided that we have kind of figured out the quarterback thing. That doesn't mean we shouldn't ever take the elite quarterbacks. It just means that similar to the paying for upside thing, I got to pay for them now. And you gotta you gotta uh, uh, put them in. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny that this has become a Derek Card uh, uh, episode. But Tony says perfect, perfect. He reached around early on Cup last year. When you when last year when Cup was going in the fourth, and you got to the whatever the late third, and there wasn't anybody there that you preferred to him, just fucking take the guy you want. I'm not saying that that is the same thing as the this year's draft dead zone. But if you get to the eighth round, all the quarterbacks you like are gone and CEH and these guys are the best available player. If you have to reach on, you know, 10 picks on one guy, just take them. You don't have to be beholden to um, what ADP says. Um, 
we talked about some of the the mid to late scope. The 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 one thing I did want to talk about before we get out of here is late is late round tight end. This is something that um, is kind of like a little bit of a meme every single year, where you know we talk every year we come into the season. Oh my god, tight end is deep. We can wait. We can wait on tight end. And then every year, one of the elite guys is uh, is better than the field, which we saw again last year. However, I think there's a few reasons this year why late round tight end could be especially powerful. First, as you see, uh, if we scroll down a little bit, well, let, let's hit this. These two bullet points. The first thing is that a lot of NFL teams are just going away from the tight end position. So what that means is we naturally have less options from an NFL team perspective on fantasy relevant tight ends. So what does that mean? How can tight end be deep if that is the case? Well, all that actually really means is point two, that there's less elite tight ends if there's less elite tight ends, it creates less of a roadblock for us with the late round tight ends. We may not necessarily hit more on the later tight ends, but there's more potential in hitting relative to the early round tight ends, right? Because there's only a few you see here. Look, Travis Kelsey. I love Travis Kelsey. I, I, I like, I, I don't have a really don't have a problem with any of these guys. Travis Kelsey is, I, I have a ton of Travis Kelsey. He's old as shit. And he goes in the first round. Not second round, not third round. He goes in the first round. You have to take him very, very, very early as a 34-year-old football player. I'm not saying he's going to fall off, and God, I hope not because I've drafted him a bunch. But you just never know when a 34-year-old is going to fall off the cliff. Mark Andrews is has been pushed up to the second round because of a lot of circumstances that are not going to happen again this year. The Ravens' entire defensive secondary got hurt. Lamar Jackson got hurt. All of their running backs got hurt. They were an absolute train wreck. I found this on the web. Siri is literally looking up Lamar Jackson news for me on my watch. I don't know if you heard that. He's There's never been a clearer... Uh, I have literally not drafted Mark Andrews yet in any in hundreds of best ball drafts. Kyle Pitts, love him. Smashing the ever-living shit out of Kyle Pitts. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shut up. She's looking up Lamar Jackson articles for me. I love Kyle Pitts. He's on the Falcons, who might be the worst team in the NFL and have Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter as their quarterbacks. I'm still drafting him, but point, we would be ignorant and stubborn to say there isn't, you know, some small, there aren't some small issues with Kyle Pitts. Then you have Kittle and Waller. We just talked about the the Raiders for way too fucking long on this on this show. And Devontae Adams is there and Hunter Renfro is there. Waller has been kind of just a counting stat player with the occasional spike, which is good. But if Devontae Adams is in town now, how how much how what kind of target share can Waller actually get? Same thing with Kittle. Trey Lance is there. Debo's in theory coming back. Ayuk is there. They're going to run. They're only going to throw it 30 times a game or whatever. How much can Kittle actually do? So 
you have very few of the right and then Hawkinson, Goddard, whatever. You have very few of these guys that can actually like prohibit the late round tight ends from being impactful. And so the benefit to hitting on a or multiple late round tight ends or not even just hitting on the late round tight end, but like just treading water, right? You're Noah Fant, Gerald Everett, Hunter Henry, Robert Tunyon, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, David Njoku, those guys, of course you want the breakout. But even if they don't, there's an easier path now to them treading water and you being fine. And then if they just tread water at the position, you smash everybody else at the other positions, right? You drafted Justin Jefferson in the first round. Somebody drafted Travis Kelsey. Or you drafted Saquon Barkley in the second round. They drafted Mark Andrews, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And you spent a 15th, 17th, and an 18th round pick on tight ends. And you were close right there with most of most of the field. That is a huge advantage. You can get your superstar quarterback in Derek Carr. You can get your uh you know your elite running back if you want to dip into the elite running backs. You can get you can get whatever you want if you push tight end. And I do think it's a big, it's a big, big deal this year that is maybe not really being talked about enough is the potential for for um late round tight end. All right. The storms, the storms, they are they are a coming. They are a coming here. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me for an early, an early episode. Um, we'll be back hopefully next week with more of a on schedule, more of an on schedule uh best ball theory episode. Um I will be back tomorrow. We're gonna draft. We're gonna draft tomorrow. I don't think it's a crazy one. I don't think it's a crazy one, but we'll be back tomorrow drafting a best ball team and uh everybody else enjoy the rest of your afternoon hopefully my basement doesn't flood um i will be blaming Derek carr i think is what i've learned today is if my basement floods or i have a terrible afternoon see you guys tomorrow peace <laughs>